So it could be David Melech was saying, um, I wish I could go to that basin and find out what they would recommend. And David Melech had uh, warriors who uh, were very anxious to please the king. So they fought their way across enemy lines to go to the basin and brought back the answer. And it mentions that the answer they brought back, he was worried about because they risked their lives to do that. And you're not really supposed to risk your life uh, for such things. Uh, so there, then he, it says that he poured it out in front of Hashem. So we're just trying to figure out what was happening over there. And uh, it turns out that we end up with a halacha about fire damage. And so that's, that's our Gemara, really. We're in the middle of discussing fire damage, uh, what you're responsible for and what you're not. And so let's, uh, we're going to start it again because uh, we're right in the middle of it. Uh, it starts at the two dots on the bottom of 60B. V'yitavu David. David had a desire. And he said, Who would bring me some water from Beis Lechem that's in the gates? And so three mighty men went behind enemy lines. And they drew the water from there that was in the gates. My, so, Mike Miboile, what is it that he wanted to know? So, Omar Rava, Omar Nachman, so three answers. The first answer is, he just he was learning Gemara Babakama, and he saw this famous debate about the needle in the haystack, the cash in the haystack. When you burn, we all know that fire, if you burn down your neighbor's haystack, that's ace, you're liable. But what about the stuff that's in the haystack? What about the tumlin? The things that are not publicly, that are hidden inside, are you liable for them or not? And we had two opinions. And we quoted them in our Mishnah. So maybe he just, he understood, he was trying to figure, who's right in that debate? Tama be'esh kami boile, ika Reb Yehuda. Do we agree with Reb Yehuda that you got to pay for the needle in the haystack? Or do you agree with the Rabbanan who say, no, you don't have to pay for it. Just the haystack, nothing else. Upashtule, maidapashtule. And he got the answer. We don't even know what the answer was. But that, that Gemara really bothered him. He didn't know how to paskin. And so, uh, and uh, you know, that, that's really, you know, that's life and death to know what the, how, what the halacha is. And so that's what he sent him for. That's answer number one, that he was just discussing this halacha of tamon be'esh. Reb Huna says, no, there was much more going on over there. And the psukim actually mentioned this, and we're going to get back to that. He said, it mentions over there piles, piles and lentils. So he says, piles of barley. There were Jewish barley piles there. And the Philistines, the, the Palestinians, they were trying to ambush us by hiding in the uh, barley piles. And he wanted to know, can I destroy Jewish property? Can I, uh, can I save myself? Now, he could have run away and saved his own life, but the question was, they wanted to win the campaign, can I expropriate their property in order to kill Plishtim? So can I burn these down in order to, uh, to do that? So, shokhole, also nope, you're not allowed to destroy people's property in order to go Plishtim hunting. But technically, you're the, you are the king. And a king is entitled to make those decisions what's needed for national security, and no one has a right to stop you. So that's the answer, uh, the, the question and the answer according to Rebhuna.
Rabbanavi Tema Rabba Barmeri, they had a different shot. There was something else going on over here. They, so again, we've had two answers so far. First thing was that he was just learning Baba Kama and wanted to know about Tamun uh, Ba'esh, whether you're obligated for the needle in the haystack, whether you're obligated to pay for stuff that's hidden inside the piles. Do we hold like Rabbi Yehuda or the Rabban? That was the first shot. The second shot is he wanted to know, can I burn down all of the Jewish uh, piles of barley in order to get to the Plishtim? <coughs> okay, third shot. Uh, the, really, he was running out of supplies. And there was Jewish uh, warehouses nearby full of piles of barley. And he was uh, in the midst of a battle with the plishtim that he was sure he could win. And the plishtim, they had piles of lentils. So he wanted to know, can I uh, take for the troops the Jewish... Uh, uh, barley and pay them back with the conquered lentils. Gedishim dadashim depletim. He had uh, he had Jewish piles and the lentils were the depletim. Can boilo ma lito gedishim shosarim? Can I take the barley piles of Israel litim litay behemto to feed my animals? I'm anaslu shalom gedishim shaladashim and I'll pay him back. I'll, in other words, can I take something and pay him back with something else? So shochule. So uh, he answered him. He said, You know, wicked people, they take and they give back. They take without permission, and they give you back something else. So, even though they pay back, they're wicked. You have no business taking somebody's thing and giving them back something else. I don't want my barley taken away and give me lentils instead. I like the barley, right? So, but you are the king, and kings are allowed to make these decisions through the benefit of the country. So, mm-hmm. Torah is not usually a positive word. Correct, correct. David and Melech actually didn't do that. In other words, because he understood it's a leniency. If you really feel that it's necessary, then you're allowed to. It's like a horasha. Kings sometimes can break the rules. There, there's rules, there's standard Torah law, and then a king is allowed to, if, if there's a need to, uh, to be unconventional or to go against the halacha, the king can make those kind of decisions. It sounds like... Like that's the king's reshut, you know, an eminent domain, as, as it were, but... Right, government doesn't like to do it. Well, well, I should say, a, a government of the people shouldn't want to do it. Yeah. Right, right. No, but it's just curious that the, the, the Gemara is using this phrase, the, a melech has you okay. know, rights. Right, but it's right. still using this word that... Well, it, I mean, so it, the truth is, it says, and nobody could complain. Right? Isn't that also like showing you like, a, it's not... Uh, there are people who want to complain, but you can't. <laughs> what could you do? It's, uh, so we can't stop. It, do, it does sound like it doesn't prefer that way. That's correct. That's the. Uh, it's, it's interesting. So, but the bottom line is we have three pshatim, and the question is which pshat fits into the verses the best. Again, first pshat is that his question was: Do we pass him like a Yehuda and not about the needle on the haystack? The second pshat was: Is he allowed to burn the Jewish uh, barley in order to kill the plishtim? And the third pshat is: Can he take the barley and replace it with the lentils? So bishlem of the mandiyomer look lufe. So if you say that he just wanted to do a switcheroo, wanted to take something and pay him back with something else, 
So that's why there's one Pasuk that says, That's why there's two verses. One's talking about barley, one's talking about lentils, because that was his question. Could I take one and pay it back with the other? So that, that shot fits into the verses very good. But if he just wanted to burn down the, uh, the barley to kill the plishtim, so why is it talking about uh, lentils? So the Gemara answers, you have to say that the plishtim were hiding in the lentil bushes also. The plishtim were also hiding in the lentils. There, there were lentil fields, uh, bean fields, and there were barley fields. And so the second verse is saying he wanted permission to burn down both fields to get to the plishtim. Okay. That, that's how you can explain it. If you say he wanted to burn them down, so that's why it says that uh, they, when they decided not to burn them down. That's the verse says that they stopped because he decided that he wasn't going to do it because they told them ideally a king should, person shouldn't do that. But if you want to say that he never really wanted to burn them down, but he just wanted to use up Again, according to Wamshad, he wanted to burn down the barley and the beans in order to kill the plishtim that were hiding there. So that's why the verse says, he said, stop, let's not do that. But if you say he never wanted to burn them down, he just wanted to eat, use them to feed his animals now and replace them with something else, what does it mean he wanted to, he said, stop, I want to save it. If he just wanted to do the switcheroo, my biyatsi lenu. So Lumar says, it means he saved it to lo shafik klufe. He said, no, it's not right to take it and switch. No bait and switch. Bishle Mahani Tarti, according to these two Pshatim, Hanuksiv Tre Kra, that's why we need all the Psukim as we turn to today's page. But if you say he just wanted to know whether we hold like Rabbi Huda about the needle on the haystack, Mai Boile Kra. So why do we need all these Psukim about uh, about barley and about lentils? What's going on with that? So Amalak Taman Vachana Mahanaka Boyle Gmore said, You're right. It must be that there were two questions. He had the question about Tamun, and he also had the question about burning down the lentils. Because otherwise, how do you explain those two verses? At first, we thought that there, that, that there was only one question. According to the view that he wanted to know whether we hold about the needle in the haystack, whether you're obligated to pay like Rabbi Yehuda or you're not obligated to pay. So it must be there were two questions. Fine. If you say there were two, that's why David didn't want to drink them. He didn't want to use it. Since it's really forbidden, I'm forbidden to take their money. I'm forbidden to do eminent domain. I prefer not to. But if you just say that he just wanted to know the halacha, it's, he, they, he has the halachic shayla. Milo of a David Lishtosa. What does it mean he didn't want to drink? So the Gemara answered, uh, David, uh, he got the answer, but since the soldiers that got the answer did it without following the halacha, they risked their lives to get the answer to the Torah question. So, Delo Amrinu Mishmaihu, he didn't say it in their name. I have a teaching If somebody uh, gives their, uh, risks their life on words of Torah, we won't quote them. So that's what it means that he took their halacha, but he never quoted them in the base medrash where he got it from. 
uh, it says, then he poured it out in front of Hashem. If you say it's the other two, he did l'shem shemayim that he didn't uh, uh, he didn't use the he didn't want to do eminent domain. But if you say that he just wanted the halacha, what does it mean? He poured it out in front of Hashem. The answer is that he just he said it in the name of the Gemara and not in their name. Okay, that's the uh, so we basically fit these various pshatim into what was happening over there in that discussion. Sounds odd. I don't want to say it's odd, but I'm just wondering. Here you have these guys who are moser nefesh to, to to help. I don't know that it's ratzon uh, of the melech, but and. Uh, Thank you very much for the sock, but by the way, you don't even get an honorable mention. Right. So we don't want people to imitate that. We don't want people to. If you get, if you mention them, if they're a hero. It's not one of the three you're willing that you're allowed to die for, maybe. Right. That's right. We don't want to. We want to. Yeah, yeah. but this is this is not a vada. In other words, what, what we're saying, you know. You know um, this is not the Vadai, but okay, they, they took a risk. I mean, to go behind enemy lines is very dangerous, you know. That's a... Had to be been, otherwise yeah, they wouldn't have said that. That's different from, you know, Yavo, you know. Uh-huh, okay, all right. Yeah. So, you think it's harsh? I, I don't know. It just seems to me they were, they were trying to, you know, to... I, I was shocked that he said that this is a halacha from like Shmuel HaRamasi that anyone else, don't try this. This is well known. You're not supposed to risk your life for Divei Torah because otherwise we're not going to quote you. <laughs> it, 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 it sounds like this was, Shmuel HaRamasi had to, had, to, had to say that halacha because of course people are going to risk their lives for Torah. So we had, no, no, no. Like we said, only for the three, not for... I'm not making it better. I'm trying to make it worse. I'm just saying, like, yeah. it's, it's not only did it happen here, but he's saying that, oh, I, I well, learned that halacha. The fact is, it, it's, I mean, it, it's not a matter of, uh, of life and death, per se. Uh, there was a risk, but it, it's not a matter of that they are abstaining from an isser and allowing themselves to be killed. They came back alive. Mm -hmm. It's a whole, whole separate Indian, I want to say. Okay. Right. So you want to say, okay, you uh, Unnecessary risk, okay, but they're most to the I, I suppose if we quoted them, then that would indicate that we were totally happy that they did it. And so we, we, don't, we don't quote them because, but uh, I hear, I, I, it's, just, it's a fascinating discussion. Okay, moving on. All right, so uh, now we're talking about the, uh, the responsibility for a fire. So you have a fire in your property, and it jumps the fence. And it's a it's a Daladama's fence. It's a pretty big fence. Oh, Derekarabim, or it jumps the highway. Oh, Nar, or it jumps the river. Putter, that's not your fault. We don't expect fire to jump. You can't blame that on you. You didn't know that the fire would jump that far. I but we learned uh, it's uh, you only have a measly Daladama fence. You're responsible. So the question is. Was it uh, up to four or in, uh, including four? We were going from higher to low. 
And what's our mission was saying, Shesh Amas, if it's a six Amas offense and the fire jumps at Potter. Chamesh Amas, if it's a five Amas offense and it jumps at Potter. Ad Arma Amas, all the way till above four, you're Potter. Tana Bara, the other Tana was going from the other direction. Melmata, Lamala, from lower to higher. Kachashiv. Shtei Amas, if it's only a two Amas offense and the fire jumps, you're responsible. Shalash Amas, three Amas, Chayev. Until four, Chayev. That's one shot. Amar Rav Adal Namish Amar another answer. Well, not another answer, another teaching. Amar Rav Adal Namish, when we say Dal Namish that you're exempt, Afilu Basada Kotsin. Even if it's a field that's highly flammable of thorns. Amar Rapapa Umisfas Kotsin Melamala Dal It has to be that the thorns don't like creep up to the fence. It has to be there's the distance of Dal from the edge of the fence to the thorns. Amar Rav Loshan of a Kolech. He says there's two kinds of fires. There's fires that go up, and there are fires that are spreading fires. So you're only exempt uh, if the fire jumps the fence, if you have a kolechas fire. It's a fire that goes up. Rashi says, It's a fire that goes up like a date palm. Date palm is like, just like a mushroom cloud that goes up straight and then expands. That's the that tamar is like a like a date palm. It goes up, and then it, there's certain fires that are leaping up. So if it's a leaping up fire, and you have that fence, that's sufficient. But if you have a nikfefes fire, if you have a fire that's nikfefes, that's a sideways fire. Rashi nikfefes sharuach mata oso. The wind blows it sideways. V'kofel it stadim. It makes it jump. It's a jumping fire. Uh, the next piece, It's burning the grasses that are on the ground. It's describing two types of fire. I have to get a fireman in here. Anybody? Anybody? Fire? But apparently, there's a, a this exemption of the fence is only if you have the standard. Um, fires that are, go up, but if it's going sideways, that fence isn't going to do the trick. You, uh, wait, you still be high? Yeah, you still be liable. A few, I've met till 100 on this guy. If you, st- if, if you start such a fire, because certain fires will travel like that. That's the wind yeah, talk, talk to the people out in California and in Canada. They'll tell you about that. It's really the wind, yeah. yeah. yeah that would be like normal. That. Right, so that, therefore he'd be liable for lighting such a fire if he's in an area where the wind blows oh, like that. Oh, yeah. yeah. Like the fuel, in other words, the field is low and spread out as compared to, let's say, you know, a, a bonfire where you know, wood is you know, pi- right. piled up. It's going to go up. A field yeah. is going to spread laterally. Correct. It's interesting, though, because we were talking about the thorns as if, though, it's, it's going to be kept away from the fence which would mean it's not really a natural field. It's not just mm. under, under, under shrub, underbrush, where we spoke last, you know, a couple Yeah, of correct. That, that's, that seems like it's saying. Uh, Shmuel says, He says, um, no, our mission is talking about the wind is blowing sideways, and these are spreading fires that go along the wind. And it's still enough if you have Dalinamas. But Kolekas, if it's going up, I feel a kosher putter. Even a small fence would be enough because the 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 fire is going up. So who's right in this debate? Tanakh Vaster Benim or Kolachas? 
that's if you got the fire going up. And the kvefis, the eitzimitsuyin low, if it's a sideways fire and there's plenty of fuel there, a fuel ad mayat mil chayv, then you're, you're liable because even uh, those kind of fires spread. Uh, if it passed over the river, that's eight amas wide, putter, because that, that's reasonable to have assumed the fire wouldn't spread. Derek Harabim, it's got a highway there, so Mantana, who's that? He holds the highways, are Derek Rabin, that's a certain size, 16 amas wide, so that's enough to keep the fire from spreading. Or if there's a river, Rav Omar Narmam, a real river. Shmuel says, not, it doesn't have to be a river. Afila Arisa Didalia, even a, um, a water, um, even a, uh, not a water, a uh, uh, irrigation ditch. Yeah, thank you. Irrigation. Rashi, you're cutting. It's an, even an irrigation ditch. You can, he's allowed to assume the fire won't travel over it. So, Mandi, if you say it's a river, Afagafta Lekamaya, even though there's no water in it. But if it's an irrigation ditch, if it's water in it, in but if there's no water in it, no. We learned over there, the, uh, so uh, you have to give the corners of your field to the poor. There's a mitzvah. So when do you decide a field ends? So if you've got certain natural boundaries in the middle, so it's not one field, it's two. So the following things are considered interruptions in a field. Says these different kinds of rivers and waterways and public roads and private roads. So what does it mean, Shlilus? So there's a place where the rainwater collects. He says, no, they're like irrigation ditch. So if you say, the rainwater, so certainly if you have the, uh, the irrigation ditch. But if it's the irrigation ditch, but where the rainwater is, low mafsik. Why? Because those are called bagna da'ara mikri. Those are called, um, uh, they're like the bowl of the land. Um, apparently, it's, I, so I guess we have to talk about fires. There, they, there's different kinds of, there's an irrigation ditch which I guess is like next to the field that you, you bring water from an outside place and it collects, it pours down there. And then you have uh, places where natural rainwater will collect. And I guess that's less protective for a fire is where the rainwater collects. Maybe it's not uniform along the, uh, the area that was, but I, I really don't know. We don't have a lot of insight into these two kinds of water ditches. Uh, Right, and then it, 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 sometimes the rain is not uniform. You have a lot, you have less. Uh, so it's still be coming, you're, you're saying it would be surface water versus coming from a pool of water? That was my assumption. In other words, an irrigation ditch means that you're bringing it in from somewhere else, whereas rainwater is, it's like a natural place where it flows. What's what's a file break? A fire break. A fire uh-huh. break. They dig, dig oh, break wall. I see. Uh-huh. They do that on purpose. You mean to yeah. keep the natural barriers prevent the fire from going by? Yeah. I see. Okay. So uh, depending on the uh, the efficiency, really, that would determine liability if you had that to prevent fires or not. 
Okay, new Mishnah. Hamadlek besok shalom. If you burn inside yours, um, you're making a controlled fire. Ad kama tavra adleka. Um, how, how, how much space, let's say you don't have a fence, but let's say there's a big distance between your fire and uh, the, the neighbor where, where there's wood. So how, how much distance is reasonable to assume the fire won't spread? Again, without a fence and without an irrigation ditch. So as long as you're, um, that's the question. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I assume the fences we're talking about here are stone fences, right? Because wooden fences don't... Correct, yeah, I, I think so, right. They're not flammable yeah. fences. That, so that, a stone wall is what you're saying. Okay. Um, that was my assumption as well, uh, but it didn't, I didn't see anybody speak that out, but I think, I think you'd have to say that, because otherwise you're right. So how would it prevent a fire from going through? It's going to spread the fire if it's a wood... Uh, put up a wooden fence. <laughs> that's right. <Duh>. right. Okay. <laughs> right, right, right. I, I suppose if you had fires that you would have to put up a certain type of fence that's going to prevent. Okay, but the dead air is usually is usually a, I think loose rock piled on top of the other. Is is that so? You're saying you're saying is saying that the word getter. Koto, I think, is rocks that are cemented together. Uh huh. And what would be a wood fence? Did they have wood fences in those days? I don't even know if they did. <laughs> Today it's very common, but I suppose if you did for a fire, again, it's not, not much utility. Yeah, okay. My bill on it's got der mise, got der mise, and there's a medrash that that was the, uh, the, uh, the pile of stones that Lavan and Yaakov mm-hmm. uh, put up. Yeah. So stone, stones. Stones are a stone fence. Okay. Yeah. Uh, Rebelozer Ben Azaria said, so that's our question right now. If you don't have a fence, but you're going with distance, there's a reasonable distance from your fire to the next possible area that could catch. So what is that distance? Lazar says, It should be like, the, it, it has to be that you're in the middle of your field. There's a, a base core with a certain size area, and uh, it's like until 100 mil. Lazar says, We go with the 16 amma measure, like the, the road. Rebbe Kiva says, 50 amas. So it's interesting. There seems to be a big range of distance here for the fire to jump. Rav Shimon says, Well, you can't give a size unless you know how big the fire is. How, how strong the fire, if it's a, uh, you know, if you have a super duper fire, you know, for a small fire, maybe you don't need so much space. But if it's a very powerful fire, then maybe you need more distance. So, Rocky says the, the payment is based on the distance, whether it's far, whether it's close. Right, right. And the stronger it is, the, the more the distance would be. Is that what you're saying? Yeah. Okay. Let's see the Gemara. But Leslie, Shimon, Shir, Bedleika. Rav Shimon doesn't hold. He says, well, it depends. Doesn't he hold there's a set amount? But Tanan, doesn't the Rav Shimon say, uh, the question is, do you say, well, do we make a determination or do we have certain set uh, uh, numbers? So didn't he learn the following? They had certain zoning rules. You can't put an oven in your house unless you have a ceiling minimum. You have to have daladamas clearance above the oven to keep the soot and the, you know, from fire catching. What about if you put a, a stove in your second floor? You have to have underneath it. Um, see, I suppose if you're burning a fire, it could burn a hole in the ground. You know, go, you know, so you have to have underneath it a maziva. 
you have to have three tfachim of ceiling. Ubekira, and if it's a smaller stove, it's a tefach. Vim husak misha, and if you damage, you got to pay damages. If you have that minimum size and it did damage your putter, you did reasonable diligence. So depends on the fire. Um, so um, So he's saying it depends on the on the fire. Okay, new Mishnah. Uh, this we actually quoted early. You light up the haystack. And it had a needle in there. It had vessels in there. I kept on saying the needle just because we're familiar with the needle of the haystack. Um, and I said cash also because we would understand if you hid your money in there and it burnt that the guy wasn't expecting it. But the Mishnah actually speaks of uses the word vessels. You you stuck your vessels. What pots and pans or earthenware things inside the haystack for safekeeping? So and they burnt down. So the question is, a guy said, I didn't know you had your pots and pans in the haystack. So Yehuda says, Mishal Maishibasoko. That's Rabbi Yehuda that we quoted. He says, Well, you got to pay. You you did the fire. You have liability for the haystack. You're going to have liability for what's in it. They say, No, ain't a Mishal El Gadishokita Mosarim. You just got to pay for the material that you burnt. Next, what happens if next to the fire there was a goat tied up or there was a servant nearby, and they burnt in the fire? You're liable for that. But if the servant was tied up and the goat was next to it, and then they burnt. So you got, the guy has a much bigger problem than fire. He caused the death of a slave. The guy was tied up, you know, that... Wasn't it the Indians that used to do that? They tie the person up and put them on the bonfire or the, you know, was the, was that, uh, I don't remember who, I think it was the Indians. They always had the guy in the fire, like waiting for the Mounties to come rescue them from the, uh, I, don't remember, I don't know if I'm remembering right. But, uh, but uh, either way, the servant was tied up near the fire. That's killing. And so we say, uh, well, he's going to deal with a capital question, not a question of money. Now, even though Rabbi Yehuda said, you don't got to pay for the needle in the haystack, if you burn down a house, you burn down a building, a beer is like a building, a palace, you got to pay for everything inside. Why does Rabbi Yehuda admit? People have stuff in their houses, to put it lightly. So the whole idea of Rabbi Yehuda was, I had no idea, like, who put the needle in the haystack? Who put the vessels, the pots and pans in the So Rabbi Yehuda says, you're potter, because that's not a reasonable thing for the person to have assumed or a, a reasonable liability. Who put stuff in there? But if you burn down a house, obviously, even Rabbi Yehuda would admit that you've got to pay for the damage in the house. Okay. Let's see the Gemara. I'm Rav Kahneman, Klokzimah, Shalom. The case is you made a fire in your property, and then it spreads. Yehuda says you got to pay. And the rabbi said no. But if you light the fire in your neighbor's yard, then you got to pay for everything. Yehuda's exemption is when it spreads. If it's spread from your property to that property, you're exempt. But if you are a mazik and you go and torture your neighbor's property, we're not going to let you off on the, on the things inside the haystack. Omele, Rava, Rava said, if that's true, 
But if you lit the fire into your uh, neighbor's um, into your neighbor's property, then it should have said that that everybody agrees you're going to pay for even the needle on the haystack. This, this is arson, what they're talking about now. Correct. Right? Yeah, yeah. So it should differentiate that way. Salam Arava, you're right. Betarti Pligi. There's two arguments over here. Pligi, they argue when you made the fire in your property, and it burned down your neighbors. He says you're obligated to pay for the needle on the haystack. They say no. But they also argue when, when you do arson. Uh, he holds you got to pay for everything, even the wallet. Only normal things that would be put there, Kigon, Morganin. It's like axes and other things that get left out in the field. Board. Uh, what? Board. Um, a Morganin is a board? He hit a board inside the, second, the stack? Second from the very bottom. Uh, Morganin, Karashim, Nekuvim, and Yisotos, Vedashin, these were special uh, wooden beams, things that they used the for beams. threshing. It was like beams with holes in them, threshing beams. I think, think that sometimes you leave outdoor utensils. You don't leave them in the open. You, like, stick them into the bushes. So that... Uh, things that are l'tzurich, the grain and the goddish, though. Yeah. The kli bakahu. So then the mishal, kalim she'ein darkalad, but if you have something that doesn't belong there, lo mishalad, you wouldn't pay. So it comes out there's really two... They're arguing in two, in two cases. You light up your neighbor's pile and there's things in there and they burn. You pay for everything. You just got to pay for the wheat or the barley. Now, the question though is what about the space that the vessel took up? So if you don't pay for the vessel... You look at it as if that was full of grain, and you have to pay for the grain. That because you're agreeing that you're liable for it. It's just saying that I didn't know that the pots and pans were there. But all right, but at least pay for the the grain stuff. But uh, so we'll stop here in the middle of this debate. I wonder if they were sticking those beams and stuff in there for protection or something. Safekeeping. It was the, that stuff. It seems was used for the threshing, so it was yeah. okay as the the, the right. pile. I, I leave it near where the, the work is going to be fine. done. Yeah, so that's what you do. You, you tend to you leave avoid the tractor that. In the field. Right, right. That's what I was about.